I was the first Chinese kid at my school in the middle of a very white suburban neighborhood. The kids would point out differences between us from the lunches I brought to them having to take their shoes off when they came over to my house, when all I wanted to do was fit in. They didn't mean to, but I definitely felt shame associated with my culture. Being myself took a long time to figure out, but it turns out it's holding me back from love. Welcome to Self-Help Junkie, the podcast where we explore the world of personal development through the eyes of book enthusiasts. I'm your host, Erica Ng, communication coach and your resident bookworm. This season, we'll be focusing on developing our romantic skills, but before we dive into the conversation with our guests, let's get a one-minute summary of the book. The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown is like a breath of fresh air for perfectionists. Brown's a researcher but comes across like a cool aunt. She explores how our constant striving for perfection can lead to feelings of shame, anxiety, and self-doubt. The antidote is a wholehearted living, i.e. embracing our vulnerabilities and imperfections. Thus, we can cultivate greater self-compassion, authenticity, and joy. At the end of each chapter, she gives you guidance on how to dig, not in dirt, but into yourself. D stands for deliberate in our thoughts and behaviors. This means being intentional about our choices and actions and taking responsibility for our lives. I stands for inspired to make new and different choices. This involves being open, trying new things, taking risks, and stepping out of our comfort zones. G is for going. This means taking action, moving forward, even when we feel afraid or uncertain. It involves embracing imperfection and being willing to learn from our mistakes. And with that, let's get to our guests. First up is Imani Fetti, a relationship and dating coach who knows firsthand the importance of self-work and healthy relationships. From transformative lessons from her own journey in dating and relationships and now marriage, she helps self-described people-pleasers raise their standards, shift unhelpful habits, understand and enforce their boundaries, advocate for their needs, and ultimately make more conscious, empowered choices in their love lives. Our second guest is John Hyde, an academic coach who's helped countless teenagers achieve academic success on their own terms. John understands the pressures that teens face to perform well in school, and he developed strategies to help them do so without relying on parental oversight. Let me introduce you. Okay. Hi. Welcome. I'm very excited to have the two of you guys on. Um, this is a little different from the other podcasts that we've done because these two people are my friends. They are people that I hang out with willingly. <laughs> um, you guys are known as one of the best couples on the island of Bali. <laughs> Why is that? And what are the misconceptions that the people have? Oh, great question. <laughs> yeah. I think people think that we're a good couple because we're just very real and authentic and we don't try to hide things. Um, I think a lot of couples try to look perfect mm-hmm. a lot of the time, and then it just comes off as inauthentic. Or on the opposite side of the spectrum, they're just actually a really bad couple. <laughs> 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 so by all the time, they're jealous, they'll nice. you know, you know, cause a scene, and so that's obviously not good either. Right. Um, and so I think people just appreciate that we talk about things. Like if we're upset about something, we're not trying to hide it we'll talk about it right there or say hey I didn't like that um Mm -hmm. this is why I didn't like that and then the other person will accept it a lot a lot of people have told us that they'll be braced in their seats like what what's gonna happen someone just said that they didn't like something are they about to fight (laughs) and then we just resolve it right there (laughs) to jump in like a lot of people say like we will deal with the problem immediately but you guys will in the middle of a social gathering in the middle of a party when everyone is like you guys, people are drinking, right, right. right? You guys will be like, we need to step aside and yeah. talk to each other. Yeah. So like, that's the level of authenticity and transparency that you guys have. Yeah, I think that's just very unique for people. To I completely agree with Amani. I think that it's our trust for one another <laughs> because Amani's very extroverted. And I won't say I'm very introverted, but I'm definitely on, on that side of the spectrum. And that could cause us to say like, okay, you know, I don't feel comfortable with Amani going out with her friends if I'm not there. Mm -hmm. And even though we are very different people, we allow each other to be ourselves, whatever that looks like. So if Amani wants to go out with her friends and do that, cool. She doesn't necessarily force me to come out or we will do things where it's like, hey, let's do something a little bit more lower key. We're comfortable together, but we're also comfortable apart. Yeah. And it allows us to maintain our sense of identity 
but also still be our very authentic selves. And what I see with a lot of relationships is it's stifling. Mm. They want to express themselves less because maybe it makes their partner feel threatened or something like that. And so it shrinks them rather than expands them. And I feel like we expand, expand each other or just allow ourselves to take up as much space as we need to. Yeah. And on that point of partners, maybe feeling like they're stifled by the other ones, it doesn't even have to be the other partner doing something. It could just be the conception, Mm. like the misconception that Mm. I think this would bother them when maybe like this looks, this looks bad. Yeah. It's other people or to society or I'm I'm not supposed to do this. I shouldn't do that. You know, I've had multiple people, like if I'm at, I don't know, an after party at 3 a.m. <laughs> and then they'll hear that I have a husband. I'm like, yo, husband? Like, what are you doing here? And guys even saying, like, I would never want my wife to be out like right. that. I'm like, what do you think I'm going to do? <laughs> like, I'm a ring on my finger. I'm just talking to people, you know? Right. But it's because of that societal perception, like, oh, like, once you're married, right. you can't have this sort of lifestyle. Like, you right. can't you know, socialize in a specific type of way. Or I think even that once you're coupled together, the only thing that keeps the relationship functional or Mm -hmm. together is that you are together. Mm -hmm. The fact that, you know, like, oh, why are you here by yourself? You know, you would go out to parties by yourself when we weren't married. Right. You know, and I think that the perception was still the same. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So more so now but yeah, yeah even when we were just dating to to answer the the other question about what people miss which is actually something that i've talked to Amani about a lot and that's something that i wish mm-hmm. more people understood is you you brought up the point you know like we'll be out at a party and we'll resolve something there have been many times in the past where that did not go well <laughs> yes. where the attentions <laughs> ran high i would say most of the time it was me because I'm the less I'm my emotional intelligence had a lot further to go at the beginning and it would cause a conflict and we get upset at each other and you know I there are a couple of times that I like stormed off and we had to work through all of that and that there is I think a lot of people see us as these very kind of free and just out there people right but there's was so much work, mm-hmm. right. so much work, so many conversations, tears, anger, frustrations yeah. that have happened, I think, behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. I think it's very similar to anyone that's really good at anything, right? right? All you see is the polished product yeah. that yeah. is presented to the world. Yeah. yeah, the end result. And you don't see the hours that go into that. And that, in a way, that kind of breaks my heart mm-hmm. because... I think some people perceive our relationship. It's like, oh, you're just the perfect match. Right. You know, mm-hmm. everything just went so well. You're meant for each other. And number one, I don't believe in that kind of thing. But number two, it removes people's agency sure. from that. So if you are in a relationship, yeah. you can work hard. You can make that relationship whatever you want. You know, it's not going to look like ours because we're different. You know, everybody's different. Every mm-hmm. relationship's different. But it removes the concept of the effort and the hard work that can go into it, which I feel like cheapens what we sure. mm-hmm. uh, achieved, but also means that it's inaccessible. People right. make it seem like it's inaccessible to right. them. And that makes me really or sad. Or if something goes wrong in their own relationship or they don't like something, yeah. then that's like such a bad sign instead of an opportunity for growth, right. you know, right. instead of an opportunity to say, Hey, I don't like this or, how about we look at this aspect, you know, and see how that person responds. I'm just like, nope, this is terrible. (laughs) Or worse, ignore it completely. Right. So be in denial about it. Right. Right. Jam it down. Uh, Let's get into a little bit of the book. I feel like we've already touched on a couple points, (laughs) like with the authenticity. And you guys have been together for how long now? Nine years this month. Nine years. Oh, my gosh. So you guys have been together for nine years, and you met in college. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Turbulent time. Very, very turbulent time. Very messy. So, like, how did your authenticity change as individuals and... Uh, in the relationship over the course of nine years just sum it up in like 20 seconds for <laughs> so I think Amani has always been very authentic I think it's something that attracted me to her at the very beginning and I think I was more an authentic person 
at the beginning. I wasn't very confident. I didn't feel comfortable taking up space. And But Amani saw me for who I was. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, I've the person that she saw at the beginning is the person I am now that I display to, I think, pretty much everybody. So I would say that that's how that's changed. I think Amani has changed less outwardly mm -hmm. in that respect. Uh, and I have changed uh, a tremendous amount. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the one thing I would add to that, and I, I, I agree with that, but the one thing I'd add is like this concept of shame, which is why I thought this book might be a, a good choice for this podcast because I'll be honest, like when I first downloaded the book and I read a few pages, I thought to myself, I don't need this. <laughs> I was like, this is fluffy. Like I was expecting something else because I knew I read that she was a researcher. And so I was just expecting something that didn't start off with, oh, you need courage and compassion and connection. And I was like, whole yeah, 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 whole heart. I was like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> Because I felt like I already had that, you know, I was like, I've always been very authentic. I've always, you know, been able to advocate for myself, so on and so forth. Like, I, I've never been afraid of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. However, I do feel like everyone, everyone has some bits of shame somewhere. And, mm -hmm. and I just wasn't connecting with that at the beginning of our relationship. I didn't, I just kind of ignored it um because of my past trauma i learned to just push it down right so it's not something that i saw and was consciously ignoring i just it was like in my right. subconscious at that point and that's what john saw in me like he he saw that i was struggling even when i didn't see right. that i was struggling and i think it did take me a bit to own up to that because of that shame so that's a, the biggest way I think I've, I've grown in the relationship, connecting with that trauma and like being vulnerable about it and being able to overcome it because of that vulnerability. And you guys felt like you could open up more because this person that you respect and that you care for and love was able to love you for that. So then you were maybe able to accept that more yourself. Okay, here, here's where I get a little fluffy. <laughs> Do it. I feel like there is something about a better connection. I agree with John in that, you know, there's no one right person. For mm -hmm. you. There's, there's mm -hmm. probably many. But there is something mystical about when you find someone that there's just a more natural, easy connection mm -hmm. with that can help you be a little bit more vulnerable. And so I think there was a bit of that before we knew much about each other. Mm -hmm. It was easier, I think, especially for yeah. going this direction, for yeah. John, to me, to be vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and then that just created a foundation of, I can say anything to this person, truly anything to this person. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't understand, they'll listen, they'll hear me, and they'll want to understand. Mm -hmm. So that's how I would describe it. How would you describe it? Uh, yeah. So... Touching on shame, just to be just specific, I had a lot of shame from two things about like my emotions, mm -hmm. which, you know, I think a lot of men struggle with this, just having feelings and feeling bad and you know, you're told to suck it up and so on. So I, I struggled with that. And then also I had a lot of sexual shame being, you know, raised in a Catholic school, mm -hmm. going to, you know, church every Sunday and so on. That, you know, obviously both, both, like love ties into both emotion and sexual attraction. And both of those things came, it's, it's almost like uh, love became this thing that pushed. I, I was constantly challenged with two of these things where before mm -hmm. I could kind of put them away. The number one emotion that I was feeling was love, which is obviously <laughs> a very powerful emotion. And that constantly ran into conflict with these two areas in which I had shame and it just, it, I feel like it just bubbled up. It, it, right. it kind of like caused it to rise to the surface. And so we couldn't ignore it, mm. it, it for me. I couldn't ignore it. I won't say, right. I won't say for we, I, I couldn't ignore it anymore. And, uh, and, and to Amani's credit, she was really patient because there were a lot of times where it would take me 24 or 48 hours to be able to process my emotions and a way to communicate them. Right. And during that time, I'm relatively silent. Right. I'm 
But the thing is, like, you did, you know, you, you kept going and you kept improving. And I think that points to another aspect of this book where a lot of people f- have felt how you feel, like, mm-hmm. overwhelmed by the emotion of love. But a lot of people are unable to do anything about it. And they go the opposite route, which is, I'm scared, I'm running away. Mm-hmm. And I think that connects to the words that seem fluffy in the mm. book, but are actually that like wholehearted. It means like you are truly living with your whole heart. You're not trying mm-hmm. to divide and like, you know, remove pieces right. of how you're feeling and shut this away and keep this here. You know, you're just, you're just exposing your entire self to the opportunity of loving somebody else, whether that's romantic or in any relationship, really. And I think what enabled you to do that is just, well, actually, that's a question. What what do you think enabled you to do that? Like, because a lot of people have been in your position, but they weren't able to actually confront it and process it. Yeah, that's, that's a good question. I, I, I think that for me on a, on a personal level, I'm not a person that likes running from problems. Mm-hmm. I think when I'm presented with problems, I'm, I'm actually a bit of a fixer, mm-hmm. which has been both good and good and bad in my life. Right. So I think when confronted with that, it was this thing that I'll also say, you know, some of the emotional, I guess, shame that I had is my fa- my family growing up wasn't a very emotional place mm-hmm. and it's something that i very much craved i craved emotional connection the right. feeling the outward feeling of love and i think that once i had that once i started feeling that with amani that was something that like i i held on to it right. for dear life i held on to that and i think that there were times that that literally kept me alive mm-hmm. And so that really pushed me to, it's like, oh, I can't let go of this. So that means if I'm here suffering, I'm going to try to figure out how to stop suffering through this stuff. And I think too, and I think that this is perhaps the more widely applicable uh, thing when it comes to dealing with shame is I've heard so many uh, women, you know, female friends, uh, both single and in relationships talk about how they wish men were more emotionally intelligent. Oh yeah. And as a, as a man that has gone on this journey, what I see is the difference between Amani and a lot of other women is that Amani was patient when I, I, I have this shame about feeling emotions mm-hmm. and that makes it difficult for me to articulate myself and to share And what I see with so many women is that they just expect a man or their, their male partner to be able to communicate as emotionally, Mm -hmm. emotionally as well as they can. And then sometimes take advantage of them because they can't or use it to their advantage without understanding that this person is experiencing shame. Like this is hard for them and they probably want to be able to express that. And Amani, I don't ever felt like Amani used that. Okay, maybe there was one or two times where I, <laughs> where I feel like she used that to her it's advantage. Nine years. Yeah, <laughs> no, like, whatever. We all make mistakes. It's fine. I don't hold it against you. But she she didn't really hold that against me, and she was really patient and understanding and accepting of the fact that I'm trying to do this. I think she saw that. I, I'm and I guess I'm asking like, did the what what allowed you to do that? Was it? The, the fact that I was trying, was it the effort? What allowed you to be so patient with me? Because that's what really did it for me. I think it's the fact that you could hear me and you could hear what I had issues with. Because that's, I want to make it very clear. Like when John says that I was patient, that doesn't mean that I kept things to myself and just waited for him to change or anything like that. Because that is a, there's a, there's a very, <laughs> thick line between thinking like, oh, I I feel like this person can be better in this way. And so I'm just gonna let them treat me like shit until mm. they change. <laughs> like, no, no, right. no, 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 <laughs> Like I would say, hey, I don't like this. I don't feel like this is going to go down a good route if this sort of behavior continues. Um, I can even be more specific in real life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, please. They had problems with defensiveness, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Yes. Like big problems with that. Like just getting defensive over small things. And I realized this and I said, hey, I feel like, can we talk, you know, I feel like you've been very defensive about this sort of things coming up and I really don't appreciate that because of this. Mm-hmm. And he didn't, you know, it's funny because if the problem's offensive, you would think that you would become defensive. Right, like right, that. right. But I think, you know, if you set up the conversation, you're saying, I want to share my feelings. And he said, okay, like, I, I understand and I want to change this. Mm-hmm. Now, does it look pretty the next time? <laughs> no, you know, but it, it's, it gets better. It right. gets better. So if you see growth and you see someone trying to change in you and honestly, like, the way that they respond to you and you know that they respect you mm-hmm. and they're allowing you to express how you feel, that helps. That helps yeah. with the patient. So it's a two-way street. You know, it's not like I'm just a saint. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and with that, I think that the, like asserting, hey, this is something that I see a problem with and something that we want to talk about and like, let's work on this together. Beautiful. Where did you learn that? Did someone do that to you? Was it your family? Was it your friends? I think a couple of times I saw my mom say things that she that she didn't like, which was very counter to a lot of the other things that she did. Mm-hmm. So I'm I have I'm coming from a Nigerian family, more conservative, more traditional in a lot of ways. Like so, she would cook and serve him, and like kneel down to serve him. And I said, "I'm never doing that." <laughs> no, still wait for it. <laughs> nope. You know, so a lot of things that she did that you wouldn't expect her to then speak up when she didn't like something. Right. So it really stood out to me. And I don't even think she, she did it that often, but whenever she did, I was like, <gasps> Those are the, like, I, like, I like that. <laughs> things that maybe parents don't really give two thoughts about. Children can really in, yeah. in, like ingrain something in them in yeah. the long term. Yeah, I think so. And I also think in addition to that, I'm also a problem solver and I'm also kind of a logical thinker. And so it's, it really comes down to, do I like this? If not, what am I going to do mm-hmm. about it? Like, either I have to live with it or I have to change it. Like, yeah. even a non-choice is a choice at the end of the day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily want to change someone else if they don't want to change. But I also want to say what my own boundaries are and what I want. So that if the person is willing to hear that and they want to change for themselves after hearing that, great. If not... Or I see you, you know. So, or like maybe not, maybe not that quickly. (laughs) But something to to the tune of that of either saying like, "Hey, is this something that we want to change?" Or for me, it's about understanding. Like, if I can understand why you do this, I can much more easily not necessarily accept it, but I can be more patient with you right. when it comes up the next time. Right. And I guess, of course, it depends on like what the exact behavior exactly, is. If it's exactly. something that's a little bit more mild, then sure. If it's something that's your deal breaker, then that's what it is. Exactly. You know? But either way, it has the same approach of what am I going to do about it? How am I going to speak up about it? And I think that in and of itself takes that wholehearted living mm. because what she says about wholehearted living is that it's, about courage, compassion, and connection. And so obviously there was a connection between the two of us, so I wanted to foster that. But I also needed courage to be able to speak up about sure. it because I, you never know how someone's going to react. And a lot of people decide not to speak up because because they have a connection and they want to keep it and they don't want to risk you know, getting into some sort of battle. I, I, I'd like to add two things to that the she mentions courage and compassion and mm-hmm. i think that that's something that came across in, in hindsight that i really see about something that uh, how Amani talked to me in these these mm-hmm. early times is that number one everybody's a rational actor mm-hmm. right so that means that my behavior is coming from a place like i'm not just trying to be a jerk <laughs> so Amani's talking to me from a compassionate standpoint like this defensiveness is coming from somewhere and she also has the courage, she had the courage, still has the courage to talk to me in a way that isn't, I'm just going to get angry. At you. Mm-hmm. It's very measured. Okay, this happened yesterday. We're going to carve out time to do this. 
I'm going to talk to you in a a way that expresses my emotions, but mm-hmm. isn't like you did this to me and right. that was so bad and you should be ashamed of yourself. No, 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 no. Right. Because that would have had the opposite effect. So it, I think it takes a lot of courage, but also compassion to right. do that because you can advocate for yourself. You can stand up for yourself, but do it in an uncompassionate way. Right. And I don't think that that's conducive to growth in a, a relationship. I think that if anything, I probably would have like shrank from that. Right. I would have felt bad about it, but I would have been less likely to share my emotions because defensiveness is an emotion. Like right. that, that was one of the emotions that I had to connect with. And if that is now one that's being demonized, it becomes even more difficult for me to be emotionally aware of myself and especially with bad experiences right i think people may not have the courage to speak up because one time with one specific person they were put down whether it be your family member who is just like no your feelings are not valid people take on those negative experiences so much more than the positive it's like measurably four or five times more powerful than a good experience that you have. Mm-hmm. So overcoming that every single time is really scary. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, speaking to that courage, I know both of you have had tumultuous relationships with your parents at certain times. Um, how? <laughs> Who hasn't honestly, like who's not in this club? Um, but yeah, like with that, the courage to speak up, is there, was there anything that you guys had to put in place in your relationship to allow that authenticity to flow? Yeah. Give us your secrets. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we opened up yeah. the same thing. You go, you go. I'm curious what you want to say. So I think that we carved out time Mm -hmm. for each other I think and that was particularly meaningful when we started off in in college Mm because like we're living in a dorm we're constantly surrounded by all of our friends and I think that I see a lot of relationships function now in a similar way where you're constantly in a group of people Mm. and we always had from the very beginning like we couldn't get enough of each other like time to just talk to each other and we would address that not necessarily doing things like watching television Mm. or you know playing games or whatever quality time like talking to each other and I think that that made us very transparent and open with each other and I think that that's how it started and then over time I think we've just prioritized it I think that it becomes a reflection of your values so Mm. something that we kind of joke about all the time is we go out to restaurants and um, we we have a date night once a week so I guess that that, like that's a very applicable one in a relationship we we have it's not not, nothing fancy sometimes we just go to the like the local warum you know local restaurant and sit on a plastic chair and eat Indian food sometimes we do something a little nicer (laughs) but what matters is that we carve out time every week where it's just the two of us and all the time when we go on these dates Every other couple we see is on their phone. Oh the entire God. time. The entire time. You look around, there are 10 couples in the restaurant. They're not talking to each other. And what's weird to me is like, you're on vacation, man. <laughs> like, I live here. I live here. I'm like, this is just another Tuesday for right. me. So from my perspective, maybe I have more of a reason. Like, I'm, I should be texting my friend. Like, maybe there's a work email I can respond to, whatever. You guys are on vacation for the first time in, I don't know, six months or whatever. Right. Why? Like, you have free time. Like, why are you on your phone? And I think that that's the kind of thing. There are habits that you have to establish in your relationship. And there are times that, God, sometimes I wish Imani wouldn't talk to me as much. Like, <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the introvert, right? Sometimes I, I want to be quiet. And yet... I think if I lean too much into that, right. it would be too quiet and we wouldn't have right. this conversation. I, I, I will say there was, and mind deserves all the credit for this. She started this thing very early on where she would ask me, uh, ask me a question, anything, you know, it could be literally, it's an open-ended question to ask, to, to receive a question. And that was one. And when I look back on our relationship, that is one of the most powerful things that ever happened so it could be something as silly and small as 
what's your what's the best thing you ate this week? Mm. Or it could be something deeper, like um, what's something you're struggling with right now okay. that you're looking to overcome? Or something exciting, like what's something you're looking forward to in, in the summer? When we usually it's around something that we're doing. You know? Okay. Like, what, what what are you most excited about for Tyler? You know, the funny thing is they have all these like new question games for couples right. and stuff like that, which is great, awesome. But I think we're also a lot of us are creative enough to just come up with our own questions. But it's almost strange to do it all the time by yourself. It's it's almost nice to get prompted. Right. It's like a challenge. So right. it's just like this small little thing that we do. It creates conversation. For sure. Because it's, I think sometimes it, it's really not about the question. I mean, sometimes it very much is like there's something specific. You know, like we just saw my parents in right. the Philippines. And where I, when we got back, Amani said, you know, a couple of days in, she's like, I think her question to me was, you know, how was it seeing your parents mm. for the first time in a year? Right. So sometimes it's very topical, very direct, but most of the time it it spurs a conversation. You you know, and you take it where where it will. Sometimes it's silly, sometimes it's serious. But what's important is that there's a conversation. Right. Because I think a lot of times, like you could have just assumed, like I read your body language, I or can kind of predict what you, but maybe there's something deeper there. Maybe there's something else that you weren't picking up on. That is actually a really good point. I think a lot of times when people are in a relationship for a longer period of time, mm. they make so many assumptions. Yes. And so they're like, oh, I know everything that there is to know, which is why I can be on my phone for this entire meal. Yeah. Like I have nothing else to ask you. I know how you feel about this, but you don't. And that's the thing. Like we're constantly changing, you yeah. know, but a lot of things seem silly to ask after one five nine twenty right. years but it's like it's not and sometimes someone asks me a question i haven't even had time to process it on my own and this yeah. is giving me an opportunity exactly to like when you asked me earlier like how are you doing i had to pause and be like how am i doing <laughs> like right in this moment how am i doing exactly yeah yeah. So yeah. my version of answering that question is actually very different than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but something that you said connects with mine because you said sometimes I wish that Ivani wouldn't talk so much. But it's, <laughs> it, it's funny. But it's also you set a boundary. You set a personal mm-hmm. boundary for that. And I yeah. think that's a big part of it too. When you're raised a certain way and there's already a, like a – relational dynamic that's been set before you even develop your brain it's so hard to try to change that mm-hmm. it's possible and it's it's a great goal and i think like you know when you become adults you you try to establish a yeah. different type of relationship with your parents for sure but in a relationship you're creating it completely mm-hmm. it's like you have a blank slate you know so that's when boundaries and like your expectations and how you want to have conversations, you can set that up. You don't have to carry what you took from your family into right. that relationship. And I think that's something that we definitely did earlier on in the yeah. relationship to make sure that we're both like comfortable, which sets the groundwork for right. authenticity. Because if I'm overbearing to John's more, you know, silence, or just your introverted self, you know, you might not actually be able to be as authentic yeah. as you might be drained. I, I, I want to add to the, or bring back to the earlier, the, the point I made earlier, that this is something that we're constantly working on. Yeah, like this idea do it of, Yeah, this idea of setting <laughs> boundaries, like to yeah, be honest, yeah, yeah, like yeah. we were pretty terrible right. at that at the beginning of our relationship. You know, I didn't set, yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was really bad at it because I didn't, I mean, talking about familial dynamics, my parents don't know what boundaries are, like absolutely not. So I didn't grow up learning what boundaries are. I didn't know how to advocate for myself. I didn't know how to take up, like take up space. And so that's been something that's constantly been a struggle is a bit of a strong word, but I think it's applicable. A struggle for me in this relationship because Amani is this very, she takes up a lot of space. Mm -hmm. And I had to get used to not only pushing back against that, but then establishing my own space within our, you know, within our communal, our communal one, our our relationship. So it's been, it's always work. It's always work. And it's just like anything, you're always getting better at it. And the problems that we had to solve when we were in, uh, 
a, a tiny dorm room in university sleeping on a busted futon versus, you know, our first jobs in Washington, D.C. to now. It's constantly changed. And I think we've never gotten complacent. Right. That, I think, is – because I think it would be very easy to be like, oh, you know, great. High five. We did a great job. Sweet. We've got it figured out. And I think that that's what causes relationships to fizzle. Right. Is we're constantly going back to the well of us, that we're important. Your perspective is important. You're different. I'm different. And that also causes us to look at ourselves. Right. Too. So it's a constant evolution of our relationship, but also of us individually and, you know, understanding each other. I mean, you guys got together like most of your relationship was in your 20s. So like that is such a huge time of growth of figuring out who you are. So that makes sense that you're constantly going back to each other and being like, still the same person as yesterday. (laughs) Like maybe not. Maybe you've like grown in, yeah. Sometimes it's confusing. I did this exactly how you asked. Like, but I changed my mind. I'm like, And and it's really important to not hold someone to what they said three months ago because it's changed. Sorry. It's so much more fun too when you accept that. Yeah, it's almost like like, who needs dating other people? Just like date the same person who's different people every day of the week. (laughs) So I I just thought of something going back to the 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 key tenets of the book, you know, the she talks about her whole heart. And I think that and I was definitely guilty about this at the beginning of our relationship because of what I mentioned earlier. I was so attached to the the feeling of love that I got from my Like I didn't want to compromise that. And so I don't feel like I was living with my whole heart. It was really more thinking about others, mostly mm. her. Right. People pleasing. Yeah. People pleasing. Absolutely. And so what I, what I view from what I took away from, from that, from that, that, that concept was that it has to be about yourself too. Mm-hmm. You have to love and take care of yourself just as much as you're loving and taking care of other people. Because as I think the toughest parts of our relationship, um, I mean, the, the only time that I've ever uttered the word divorce was when I wasn't loving myself Mm. and I, because I wasn't loving myself and I was only loving outwardly towards Imani, I confused. It's like, Oh, that must be the problem because Mm. that's the only way that I'm operating. And honestly, Imani's a a, a saint because I said that and it was, she just took it on the chin. And I think she knew that I was hurting Mm. and she talked, we talked it up. But yeah, she she really took it on the chin, didn't get mad, didn't yell, didn't scream, nothing. And we just talked it out. And that was the moment when at the the end of that conversation, she's like, so you're the problem. (laughs) And it was true. I was the problem. I was the problem in my life because I wasn't living with my whole heart. And with all of these things, I when it comes to a relationship, I really feel like it's about both parties, both the other party and you and maintaining, treating yourself as being just as important as the other person in the relationship. And that's such an interesting journey because I feel like I've had the same realization, but not because I was in a loving relationship with Mm -hmm. someone. It was because I kept on going to different relationships Mm -hmm. and being like, there's still a problem. Like I'm still feeling empty. (laughs) What's going on here? What's the commonality? (laughs) It was me. Uh, And like, yeah, once you start working on yourself, you're able to bring that into your next relationship and yeah, connect a lot more. Absolutely. It makes it easier to, Mm. obviously it makes it easier to be authentic if Mm. you're thinking more about yourself. And it's not Mm. selfish. It's just like taking care of what you can control and right. you can control you more than anybody else, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of people have a hard time with authenticity because it's scary. It's, oh, for sure. And it's scary because of this idea of social consequences. You know, if I bring up something that might rub somebody the wrong way, that can be nerve wracking mm-hmm. because what if they don't like it? What if they say this? What if they don't like me anymore? What if they leave? Like, that's where the fear comes in. Right. But if you just think about yourself and not think about that person's reaction 
first, you think about yourself first and what you need, that fear starts to slowly chip away. And Mm. that makes it easier to be authentic. I might push back a little bit on that (laughs) because especially when I think especially when you're first dating somebody, you are putting your best foot forward. It's like going to the job or like meeting a new friend. You're like, I want to be the best self. And you keep that up partially, at least for me, because being authentic and being rejected for that is so much scarier than like this facade that you've put on. Like if they reject that, they just didn't like the facade. But if I show them me and they don't like me. Right, but why is that scary? Um... Because of what they think, right? Yeah. Exactly. It's still because of what they Mm. think instead of what you think about yourself. Right. Which is why if you focus, truly focus, which people really don't do. Mm -hmm, It's mm -hmm. hard to do. We are not taught to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, I remember literally, I think it's one of the only things that I remember from kindergarten. (laughs) Wow, pulling all the way back. (laughs) Getting my star flip from gold to black because I was playing with someone's hair when I was supposed to be reading. I also remember that. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) You got some trauma you want to talk about? (laughs) Save it for another episode. (laughs) But another thing was just that um, they said, oh, a really good thing to do is be yourself. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just sitting there, like having an existential crisis. <laughs> Who is self? <laughs> I'm like, what does that mean, though? Like, what does that mean? And then I thought about that for a lot of my life. Like, be yourself is <laughs> oh my God. so, like, it's just such a huge phrase. Especially when you're, like, so young. Like, yeah. what is self? Like, what God. is that? But I think it is also just challenging because we talk about people more mm. than we talk about just like looking inwards, mm. you know, and oh, truly caring about what right. you think about yourself more than what anyone else thinks. Right. So if you actually feel that way, it does become less scary to not, you don't have to put your best self forward on a date. You can show your true self. And if someone rejects you, you're like, perfect, not a good match for me. Right. Now I know this. As opposed to you put a facade forward and then they accept you and then you never really know whether they right. like you. And then right. that just causes all sorts of troubles, you know, until you can finally, again, break through that that facade. For sure. I think that that's been one of the secrets to what's helped our relationship really flourish, too, is being really authentic with each other. Even, you know, it's... It's one thing I like. I, I hear you, Erica. Like the beginning, you, like you do want to put your best foot forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think when Amani and I first started dating, <laughs> I put on a button-up shirt and pants, which was not wow. like, really in my Classy. like my thing. We went out on a in date. College. Yeah, it was it was weird. Like no, no, yeah, no. I was I was a bum. Okay, I was a bum. Self admitted. But so I get that. I get that. And so it, it can be hard to navigate. But I do think that there is a time when you really do have to. And I don't know when this happens or right. how exactly you're supposed to do it. Because I admittedly, I was probably pretty bad at this yeah. early on in our relationship. But there, I think the times that we've been most authentic, you know, when. Uh, when I said I wanted to quit my job for the first time, you know, living in Washington, D.C. and coming home in a fit of existential angst and seasonal depression and saying, I want to quit my job and, you know, backpack the, the Pacific Crest Trail. And Amai says, well, you're going to do that by yourself. And but that was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not quitting my job today. But that's what spurred us quitting our jobs and moving to Asia. Mm. You know, so that was a, a, in a moment of real just authenticity and vulnerability. I and think risk. And risk, right? Like, what if she had said, like, well, I like my... And very recently, like, mine was in sales, like, making, like, was going to be making, like, six figures in the near future. And I'm saying, throw that away because I want to, like, I don't like my job. That's not something that most people were going to buy into. And I, I, to be honest, I didn't know whether she was going to. I just knew that I had to express that. I think even when I said I wanted a divorce, like that was a brutally honest mm-hmm. thing. Like obviously, as we discussed earlier, like my, it was, it was my problem, right. but it was still honest. Right. And I think that in these situations that we were able to find a path forward because we actually knew like the cards that we're playing with, you know, we know, right. we know, right. we know what our hands are. Yeah. yeah. It's out there for both people to see, regardless of whether it's, you know, pretty or appealing or, or whatever. And I think that looking 
I mean, it's kind of like at the beginning, like looking nice at a party. People get so surprised when one of us is like, hey, I didn't like that. People are like, oh my God, you're in a social setting. It's like, yeah, well, what's the <laughs> alternative? Yeah. So we can deal with that versus <laughs> just like being passive aggressive or, right. you know, getting in an even bigger fight later in the right, evening because right, we right. didn't deal with it. So. Thanks for sharing. I think a very telling story, like from the beginning of our relationship, I think we had been dating for a few weeks so like early when you're really supposed to put your best foot forward (laughs) I did not do that this day it was I was having a panic attack I think I was just Mm. overwhelmed probably drinking too much you know the whole the whole shebang you know and I was just having a, a real big panic anxiety attack and I was hiding under a chair for some reason in my dorm room crying crying and I felt like texting John and I was thinking this is ridiculous I should definitely not do this (laughs) that no like because everybody else society tells you do not show that version of yourself yet absolutely not wait until at least a year trap his ass you know (laughs) don't do it but I was like let me just this is me this is me right now this is me so I just said like come like I said something like short and weird like just and he walks in, sees me crying under a chair in the middle of the Should've room. Should have closed the door. <laughs> <laughs> that was your sign. You could be. Yeah. Like, I was giving oh you a my God. I signed up for it. <laughs> but he he didn't even ask questions. He just dropped down and said, like, what do you need? And I think I said I need a hug and just hugged me and helped me. And that was a pivotal moment for me because I was like, this is me. This is me right now. <laughs> Is that okay? Are you good? So you're okay. <laughs> but yeah. you need that. Like, that is also part of what makes it easy to be vulnerable. Right. Then the next day, if I have an issue, I'm not as afraid to say it. Because right. you just saw me in shambles and you, you stuck with me. You not know? a level 10. This is just a level 2. Yeah, right. Right. Not a big deal. <laughs> not a big deal. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm a big advocate for really, really just putting it all out there. Yeah. As early as possible. Right. Obviously, it's hard. I'm not saying you should have a breakdown on your first date. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe second or third yeah, day kind of thing. Wait until at least dessert. People you know? talk too much about, like, when do you sleep with the person? It should be, when do you have a mental breakdown in front of them? <laughs> so much more vulnerable. <laughs> oh, man. I think that's more about how we treat each other versus mm. how we treat anybody else. It's I'll put myself under the bus here. I have ADHD and I can get very distracted, especially if John's talking about something boring like taxes or something oh like God. that we need to But a lot of times in those conversations that we're on court we need to have, I'll just be doing all sorts of other things. And there's a bit of that that, you know, once I was diagnosed John understood, you know, it's like, okay, this it is, all makes sense. Now. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, okay, sometimes you even need to do something and it'll help you pay attention right. even more, you know? So there's a balance there. But there's a certain level to which he's like, this is disrespectful to me. Can you not do this certain thing? Maybe you can like play with something but not go on your phone because mm. that's just disrespectful to me. So that's an expect that's an example of an expectation yeah. that he has for how he's treated in or how he wants to have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a very good specific example. I think it changes for everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Because this is really, to me, this is about your emotions and how you like, what I think is disrespectful is not what you think is disrespectful Mm -hmm. is not what my is disrespectful. So I think what, what's, what's really important here is number one, the the sort of expectation is that we use I statements to articulate ourselves Mm -hmm. We clearly communicate like how we're feeling, but it's, we don't necessarily like, and this is something I was bad at at the beginning of accusing the other person of doing something, Mm. just talking about like how I feel, I don't like this. And then more recently, something that's, I think gotten better for both of us, mostly for me when I was always good at asking for this, but what you want. So, okay, I don't like this. This is how it makes me feel. What do I want from this? What is the resolution that's going to make me feel better? And I think that that sort of as a framework is what we've applied to solve sort of all the sort of 
expectations and problems in our relationships. So, you know, how we talk to each other when we like, when I'm working, you know, and Amani like comes in the room, it's like, Hey, like, I don't like that. It distracts me. Can you please knock on the door before you come in? You know, things like mm-hmm. that. And I feel like that's how we've created I, would, I think we have a, actually a pretty like long list of like rules and expectations, mm-hmm. but it really kind of boils down to like, that's the beginnings of it. And right. that obviously will change, change for everyone. I will say the most important one though, the most important one is we don't yell and call each other names. Never, ever once. I mean, I've called Amani names jokingly, but when we're actually right. upset, I've never called her a bitch. You know, I've never like swore at her. And this was like, these were things that like my parents certainly did, you know, and like, we'll both stop each other when we, um, if one of us is starting to raise our voice, Mm. it's like, we'll cool down, come back. But those two things I think are a rule that is universal. Like you cannot yell and swear and call your partner names. Right. You can be angry with them, but you have to continue to respect them. Yeah, because it's a slippery slope. Like once you once you break break that whatever that that glass ceiling, it's like you can you know the sky's the limit for that. Right, you, you can know? escalate. Whereas, yeah. like if you guys can keep a calm tone, your goal is still aligned. Right, we're trying to solve this problem. We're not trying to hurt each other. Yeah, yeah. I think there's also just expectations about how you want your relationship to be, like mm-hmm. in a more general sense like mm-hmm. i expect to be happy most of the time in my relationship yeah. i don't expect to fight all the time in my right. relationship. i expect to i expect to grow mm-hmm. you know so there's there's just general like this is what i expect a relationship to be so if something is not aligned with those general expectations then there's something that needs to be worked Right, right. And that's something that Jay and I also talk about. Uh, we just had our anniversary. So we're like, hey, Congrats. thanks. <laughs> Year two, what does that mean? And for both of us, we're like, growth is really important. So part of that is doing travel, but part of that is also learning new skills together. So mm. took a dance class together, oh, right? Nice. So yes. this is a question for you, Imani. You're a dating and relationship coach. Let's say that someone is either in a relationship where they aren't authentically communicating their boundaries and or if they are starting to date someone, how would you start establishing that? And like, do you have any practical tips for people? Would you have that thing, like list of things you want? Like I'm looking for growth and stuff on your Tinder profile? Yeah, honestly, why not? <laughs> like, it depends. It depends on how you want to communicate and express mm-hmm. yourself. You know, some people might want to put that right on their Tinder profile. Other people might want to have a more natural, authentic conversation you in, know, person. in person, you right. know, because it's like easier to explain that. Like, what does growth mean? Like, <laughs> right. You see the word growth on your Tinder profile, right. you know? So it depends on like how you stylistically want to set it up. <laughs> But I think it should be something that you talk about from from the jump, you know. Right. Um, so that's a big thing. But but you could also be blurring what you want with what society wants. Mm. A lot of times people feel like they have a general idea of like sure. what their boundaries are, what their red flags are, what there's what they want their relationship standards to be, or what they want their life to look like in the future. Their, exactly, and all of that will play a role in like who is a good match for you, right? But they haven't really actively sat down and thought about it, extracting away all the other like societal expectations, expectations from their family, their friends, you know, like so many people do very simple, normal things that bothers (laughs) me because I just see how it's like, oh, that's a slip. I've, I've seen this as well. So like single friends around me who are like, the next relationship that I want is the one that is going to be the long-term one. Like, I want to start a family and everything. And then they talk to me about the guys that they're dating. And I'm like, have you thought about what you want in in your long-term partner? And they're like, I haven't really made that connection. They're just dating like they were five, eight years ago. So so you say your expectations are changing, but your actual dating practice aren't changing. Exactly. So there's going to be a gap there. Or even just something, even as small as, what should I say to this person? Mm. So many people say, what should I say to this person? And if there's 
a really, you know, nuanced, complicated issue. Sometimes you want friends' advice. I right, sensitivity. That. But it'll be like from the first hello. <laughs> <laughs> how, do, how do I respond? Should I have an exclamation point? Should I have... That is setting up an inauthentic dating oh, experience. And so much anxiety for yourself. Yeah, it's like just literally be yourself. <laughs> like just, just talk. Talk as you normally would. And if that person doesn't accept you, that's fine. Yeah. It really is because you were yourself. You weren't your friends. You weren't your mom. Right. You weren't your, I don't know, your personal trainer, whoever else you're asking. I, I like that like focusing in on yourself first, because if you're happy with yourself, that fear of being alone and that fear of being rejected is so much smaller. And that's when you're actually going to attract somebody that is good for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like befriending this idea of rejection in the first Mm. place, like rejection is good too. You know, like if someone says like, okay, this is not a good fit. People automatically see that as a negative thing. Instead of great. I'm so glad you told me that. Don't have to waste my time right. anymore. I'm open to other opportunities. Like, it's really just a mindset shift, right. you know? I was just never really against this idea. Right. Of course, like, it hurts sometimes. Right. And you're like, oh, you know, I've lost the opportunity to continue exploring this. Right. I don't, I really thought that this was going to be something and now it's not. Like, there is that and you should not push those feelings away, but also welcome in the positive aspect of rejection. Yeah. That was something that I feel like I embraced when I turned 30. I was just like first date being like, I don't want children. If having children is really important to you, I don't want to waste your time. Right. That's it. Good luck. It's very, it's been very interesting for me as Amani's gone, like pursued this, this path and hearing some of the things that she's talked about and some of the things that, you know, some of her clients and, and, you know, girlfriends are frustrated with is like, as a guy, like the dude doesn't care whether you put an exclamation point on the <laughs> or not. Like he just doesn't they care. Messaged. Yeah, doesn't care. Uh, but thinking, thinking back to our relationship and being, being authentic, something I've noticed that a lot of people miss is that when they do think about the, the kind of person they want to date or the person they want to be with, it's, it's almost like they're, they're looking for uh, it's like they're trying to find the perfect Pokemon. <laughs> it's on the, on the outside. They're, they're looking at like, well, they do, they have like this, it's this I kind of person. Stacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's literally that. It's like he, he does yeah. this, he has this kind of activity and you know, he looks this way. He has like brown hair. He's over six foot tall. And instead of thinking about like, what are my values and what are the values that I want on the other person? Because like for us, like we are so different, Mm -hmm. so, 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 so different. And when we started dating, uh, I I don't think any of my friends have the courage to say this to me, but I know a lot of Amani's friends are like, what are you doing? Uh, Which whatever, I don't like them, but (laughs) (laughs) But no, because seriously, like, if, I mean, all jokes aside, on the out on the outside looking in, you're like, they are as polarly opposite could be. Amani likes to go out all the time, super outgoing, gregarious. I'm quiet. Like, I don't like to go out on a Friday. I play a lot of video games. Just like very, very chill. And but what was the same was mm-hmm. our values. Our values were so aligned. We had this sense of. Uh, adventure and wanting to travel and see the world and you know we're just curious people genuinely curious Mm -hmm. people and it didn't matter that I like to go hiking and like live in the woods for a week at a time (laughs) and Amani liked going to like dance at a club for 12 hours straight because (laughs) but I think what what happened was is we've shared those things with each other right we now both do those things with each other because but we were able to come together because of our values Mm -hmm. and that I think is something that so many people miss the boat on when they start dating they focus on like the shiny things they can show to their friends because they're like it's much easier to judge a person by the way that they look like you can't look at a person and be like oh you have values yeah Yeah. 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 I guess like other than having conversations and like things naturally coming up did you guys like was there any structured ways that you guys did it like did you guys do the questions or like did you guys take quizzes together (laughs) like which Harry Potter Mm -hmm. character would you be so I this was unintentional um (laughs) 
<laughs> our we we spent from the very beginning of our relationship, we spent every summer apart. So we dated, we started dating in March, school year ends in mid, middle of May, mm-hmm. and I went on a Euro trip with a friend, she had an internship in Nigeria, and and it basically happened, I was a school teacher, so I would travel every summer. Mm-hmm. So we were, we, we went through this habit of spending time apart from each other, and what we would do, instead of texting, I hate texting, not, not a big fan, and you know, with time differences and so on, it's right. also difficult to call or video chat. And I think this was actually Imani's idea, but we created a blog and we would write long form responses to each other. So we would ask, you know, it was kind of like monologues almost where, you know, I would write a couple of paragraphs about something and the other person would get to respond. And I think through that, it revealed a lot of our perspectives and our values in a way because like we had time, like I could sit down and I'd have like 20 minutes to respond to this. Mm And my fo- my attention is entirely on this. And so I think it was a medium of communication that was very unintentional in the outcome. But what did end up happening is we really got to understand the other person in a way that was almost like emotionally removed in a sense. Because like right. when you're face to face, like they're all, there's like the physical tension. There are all these other things that can right. distract you from yeah. that. But this was literally what I'm thinking into words. I mean, it's it's kind of like when you hear uh, like old school, like people writing like love notes to right. each other, you know, kind of talking about your. But that that's really what yeah. it was, and I think that that was really, uh, really beneficial for both Absolutely. of us. Absolutely, and there were some questionnaires in there, but I think we we created them. Yeah, like we would create our own like ten love, questions. Yeah, or, yeah, like answer these ten questions or something. It's cute, so funny. right? <laughs> And I, it seems like over and over again, the things that you guys do in your own relationship is routine, like whether it be the dates once a week mm-hmm. or like writing the letters back and forth. That's something that you guys have both agreed on mm-hmm. and having mm-hmm. it happen regularly is mm-hmm. really important. Yeah. Yeah. Consistency. And you can like change it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you have to commit to a blog for the rest of your <laughs> relationship, but it's like depending on, you know where you're you're at in your relationship and also physically in the world, what your preferred methods of communication are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just depends. But either way, like it's something that you have to consider actively. Like yeah. it's not just gonna happen. You right. Know? right. Yeah, you have to commit you have to commit to it and you have to value the relationship. You have to make it a priority because it doesn't happen. I mean, like going full circle back to what I wish people understood, like this doesn't happen by accident. Like I've worked my ass off to make our relationship. We, we've worked our asses off to make this relationship what it is. There, there's no, yeah, you know, there, there, there was no just like, Oh, we woke up today. Like, man, this is this relationship. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that didn't happen. And if you aren't, I think that that's people romanticize like mm, good romantic movies, relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like if you want that, are you ready to work for it? Right. Like seriously, yeah. like the people are like, oh, I want the next relationship to be a long term one. It's like, are you ready? Yeah. Are you seriously? Are you ready for that? Because if the answer is no, that's cool. Like yeah. casually date, whatever, do your own thing, but be ready to work for it. Yeah. Otherwise, like you're gonna have a miserable. Last question: Who would you recommend this book to, and who would you not recommend this book to? I recommend this book to anyone who has felt shame ever (laughs) so kind of everyone (laughs) but more specifically if you're looking to work on yourself and you're at the beginning stages of it yeah i would i would agree with that i think it's definitely on the the earlier stages Mm -hmm. you know if you're at the more the beginning of this journey of self-discovery and self-help um I would say it's not, it's not for someone who eat on like sort of either end of the spectrum. Like if you have a, like a very strong idea of what it is that ails you or how you want to mm. grow, this might not be specific right. enough for right, you. Right, right, right. And two, if you can't acknowledge that you have shame or <laughs> yeah, whatever, right. if, you, if you're like in denial and you're, you know, you're the, the Spider-Man pointing at everybody right, else, right, right. You're, you're not ready for this either because <laughs> I don't think you'll get benefit. Right. Yeah. yeah. The the way that you framed it was really good. It's kind of like a body scan where you're just a medical check. What guidepost is jumping out at me? Right. And that's something that I can go dig into like a different book that's a little bit more uh, in depth. 
One thing that I would say is she writes, like you said, kind of fluffy. Mm -hmm. She's your best friend being like, girl, you got to take care of yourself. So if you don't like that more contemporary style of writing, I also would not recommend this. Yeah. If people are looking for both of you, where could they find you? Let's start with Amani. My social media account for my coaching business is same new underscore love. And then my personal account is Imani Ifedi. <laughs> with the at signs in front of both of those, of course. Yes. So my I only have a professional Instagram because I can't be bothered to do both. I don't have enough time in my day. Uh, my Instagram and Facebook are both at AEA Coaching. Perfect. Well, thank you guys so much for being on here. It was a real pleasure. Thank, uh, you. thank you so much for inviting us. I really enjoyed this. this fun. Excellent. If you've made it to the end, thank you. It was a tough one to edit down, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. It really helped me out if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, but the most important thing you can do is keep listening. If you have thoughts or tips you'd like to share, please do so at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, or Gmail. See you guys next time.